there was no other thing to do. We weren't going to close the doors. We were going to keep pushing for as long as we could. We'd been open for 50 years at that point. COVID was not going to be the thing that shut us down. Raw, a podcast by Lightspeed and Poe. This is a podcast about the highs and lows of running a hospitality business. In collaboration with the Poe Network, which you've come to know with the conversation amplified. We have frank and open discussions about the state of the industry from the best leaders in hospitality. We aim to capture the extent of how far conversations can go. Uncensored, stripped and genuine, powerful and grounded in confidence. We unpack the unique first-hand experience from the experts tackling the very real and at times intense issues in our industry. Now let's get into today's show. Una's Restaurant is an institution in Sydney, first opening in the late 1960s when the rent was just $25. They serve a home-style menu that has been inspired by the foods and flavours of Austria, Germany, Switzerland and Hungary. They pride themselves on using traditional European recipes and as a result, the menu of favourites are high quality and tasteful. Their beverage program is also one of the most famous things on their menu with a range of imported beers, spirits, and including the famous snaps. They sell on average 500 kilos of potato rossi per week. Can you believe it? As well as having some of the most infamous artwork in a restaurant in Sydney. So I feel really lucky to talk with the Jill of all trades of Una's, Martika Van Ryn. Hey, Martika, how are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, an absolute pleasure to have you on this raw series. And as we sort of discussed uh, last week when we caught up, and you know the the research we've been doing on Una's the last month uh, since we've known we we're going to be doing this recording, like I'm just so excited because this this brand, this restaurant, is an institution in Sydney. It's just been su- around such a long time. Yeah. So I know people are really going to learn a lot from this conversation today. So thanks for coming on. No worries. Now, let, let's talk about the history of Ernest because it has been around since the late 1960s. So how did it get started? Yeah. So in the, I think, I believe it was 1970, an Irish woman named Una she opened up a restaurant in Victoria Street, Darlinghurst. And at the time, the area was a very working class area. You're near the docks and the harbour and you're near Alexandria and the airport where all the warehouses are. So it was a very, very working class and it was just a snack house. You could go there, spend a couple bucks, get a drink, get a sandwich, get a pastry or something, and then go off your merry way. And she owned it for a couple years. And then an Austrian Swiss couple bought it from her. They moved it down the road, expanded it, and that's when it started to get the European flair. Um, Mm -hmm. They introduced kind of that European menu, the schnitzels, all those things. They sold it after about 10, 15 years, and then a Dutch couple bought it. They owned it for about 10, 15-ish years. And then in 99, my dad bought it, and my family's owned the restaurant ever since. (laughs) (laughs) what an amazing story it's like everyone's sort of had their little mark on it over those sort of 10 or 15 years they've all owned it exactly yeah and I think that's because it's been owned by so few people everybody's really been able to put their stamp on it and made their mark and so you've kind of got all these relics from all these different owners and all this different flair and people come up and go what's that picture and I'm like I don't I don't know it's been here forever (laughs) that's the old owner painted that one they got that one from overseas. Like it's just 
formed over time with the love of each of the owners. So, so let's talk, you touch about your dad then. Like, yeah. how did your dad start working, you know, in the venue itself and then actually come to owning it? Because that's a, <laughs> that yeah. was a massive undertaking <laughs> to do that, right? Yeah. So my dad, when he came, my dad's Dutch. And then when he came to Australia, he met my mum and in two years, I was born and they were married. So they had a bit of a whirlwind romance. He was working as a fruit delivery man and he was delivering to Una's. And there was a job opening at Una's and he thought, oh, this is a bit more consistent. This has a bit more um, time that I can spend with my family. They had a three-year-old and a one-year-old and dad was working there for about a year. And the owner said, I want to I wanna sell it. Are you interested? And he thought, okay, well, this is, they did the money. They did the numbers. They thought, oh, this could be a really good investment in setting up for my future. He never went into it being a restaurateur. He never ever thought he was going to open a restaurant, but he thought this could this could really set up my family. And then it kind of he never left. He's been there ever <laughs> since. And it's just kind of this institution and it's it's one of those things I think in hospitality where once you're in it, you, it's hard to leave. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's very hard to walk away and it's just kind of feels like it's almost his third child. It's as old as his kids. Unis is kind of his third child. <laughs> do, you, do you think your dad liked it as well? Because there, obviously there would be a lot of fami- familiarity with, oh, you know, back at home, totally. right? So did that sort of, you know, obviously make him feel a bit more comfortable about buying the restaurant? Oh, I reckon 100%. And, I mean, all the Europeans always come to Unis and they go, oh, I haven't had a goulash like this since I was back home or the schnitzel is so good or, oh, my God, there's European beers. This is so good. So it was probably a really familiar place that it felt like home. It looked like home and he could really have the pros of having a great business and something that feels really familiar, which a lot of people feel like the home and the familiarity of Una's, I think, as well. What do you think that does to a customer? Like for the people that come in, and I want to talk about this later on in the podcast, yeah. like for them to come into a place which does feel like home um, for them, like how do you think that, you know, really makes them feel? Like it must must make you guys feel like you're really providing something that's really valuable. Totally. I think there's a kind of a feel of nostalgia for a lot of customers because it's been around for so long. We have people who, I mean, the other day some guy was like, I haven't been here in 12 years and nothing's changed and it's the food is exactly the way I remembered it. Everything is the exactly the way I remembered it. And it's it kind of can transport you back to this time in your life where Darlinghurst looks different, Sydney looks different, your whole life will look different, but this meal is exactly the same and it gives you that feeling of what you were doing back then, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, yeah, 100%, especially because a customer coming in and going, oh, nothing's changed in 12 years is usually negative comments. Yeah, yeah. And then like, and like that's a positive <laughs> thing. Like it's, an, it's, an, it's an awesome place to be. That's yeah, awesome. totally. I mean, and obviously so much has changed over the 52 years it's been in Darlinghurst. But, I mean, sometimes things changing is bad, especially when it comes to, well, we're not bad, but, you know, sometimes things not changing is a good thing. Yeah, agree. Consistency is key. Mm. So let, let's talk about with so little changes in the restaurant, let's talk about the things that are actually noticeable that have changed in the history of the restaurant. I mean, with technology and things these days, the restaurant has definitely taken a change. I mean, up until about 10, 15 years ago, we were still cash only and it took a very long time for us to even implement like FPOS in the restaurant because people were so yeah. unwilling to change. Like, no, this is 
I always come here with my cash and this is how I do it. And when we started earning, offering FPOS, they were like, what's this? This is, this is new. This is different. <laughs> wow. I've never yeah. seen these before. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like, well, we get cash. We're like, this is like the old days. Um, I mean, and to be honest, some of the changes, there haven't been a lot of changes. The changes we've obviously had to keep up with the times and make sure that we're with technology and with delivery and all that being so important nowadays in hospitality, we've had to keep up with that. But as a whole, the restaurant has really stayed authentic to what it is and who it is. Like I don't, it's not trying to be something it's not, which I think gives it its mm. charm. It's it's just Una's. You can take it or leave it, and we'd love you to take it. We'd love to have you, and we love having you there. But it, Una's is Una's. If you change it, it changes, and it's not the same as it used mm. to be. Yeah, for sure. Let, let's delve a bit deeper into the menu and the fact that it doesn't change. Like what do you think, why do you think that is so important to Una's and how does does that ever sort of handcuff the team into wanting to try something different or wanting to add to it but maybe feeling like they can't? Yeah, I mean we're so known for our schnitzels and we're so known for what we do that if we change that part of the menu it would change what you come to Una's for. But I think we do try to branch out in different areas to try and keep the consistency of what is good and what people love us for and know us for, but have different specials that kind of twist things up a little bit and do things a little bit differently to how they are on the menu. And we bring different drinks and different schnapps and try to kind of explore outside of what makes us great and what we're known for and push the boundaries there but we could never get rid of the schnitzels and we could never get rid of the pork knuckles because I think there'd be riots on the street. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Um, a good a good pork knuckle is really hard to come by. So it you know really that's an important thing. Is. Right? It really mm. is. Mm. Um regular customers obviously must feel like really connected to the venue. Obviously we just sort of discussed that. But what positive impacts do you think that has on those customers and and also the team because in the research I've done like there's been people who have been working at Una's for decades right yeah like yeah, yeah. so like how has that sort of come about I mean we've had got somebody there that's been working over 30 years a few that's been working nearly two decades we just it's a bit of a family and a bit of a home like these people They've watched me grow up. They've watched these p- customers come in that have come in with their newborns and then now their kids are in their 30s and they've watched these people come in with, with their families and we've been a, a, a background piece in their lives. And I think for a lot of people we've got regulars that they always have breakfast or they always have lunch or once a week they come with their friends and they always have have lunch or or a meal with us it's kind of an extension of their living room I think where it's Mm. it's this familiar place where they can catch up there's no pretentiousness there's no pretending to be something they're not I mean I love Una's but you're not coming to Una's to impress people by oh my god look at how much money I have look at all these people I know it's I found this hole in the wall and this nugget of like incredible food and homeness you have to check this place out and I think Mm. that's what our regular customers like about the venue is it's it's like an it's home for a lot of people it's familiar it's consistent and especially with the staff being familiar and consistent it's like seeing a long lost cousin or a family member that you haven't seen in months and you'll catch up and then two months later you'll come in and it's like no time has passed 
or years later you'll yeah. come in and it's like no time has passed. It's it's kind of like a family and an extension of home, I think. How did most people find out about Una's the first time? Because I imagine it must be kind of a word of mouth thing that totally. happens, right? Because you guys don't have Instagram, right? Like you no. do have Facebook. We've got Facebook. Yeah. It's it's totally word of mouth. It's, oh, I've had, you like schnitzel? Let me bring you to this place. This is great. Or you walk past and go, oh, my God, that's massive. This thing is the size of my head. I have to try it. And we have a lot of times people will come into the restaurant and really proudly go, my friend's never been here before. They have to try. I forced them to come in here. They've never had it. And we're like, oh, well, welcome. Pleased to have you. It's it's one of the things I love when customers tell me because it's another person that we can bring in. And, like, it's crazy with the regular customers and things. Like I was living interstate and I was talking to someone about my family and I said, oh, yeah, you know, my family owns Uno's. And she went, shut up. When I was a teenager and I was in uni, I used to go to Una's every week. It was my, it, it was like my tradition with all my friends. I can't believe that's your family that owned it. It's like everybody, it's, it's this sense of like family, I guess. I can't, it's hard to explain, but people speak mm. about Una's with so much joy and so much nostalgia. It's, it's always in the background of people's lives. Yeah. It's really it's really, I really want to unpack that if we can. Yeah. Like, it's so interesting, right? Like I'm wondering if that's because of the food or the service or like the environment, like what, like the fact that menu doesn't change. Like what do you think that is? Because so many venues would want to be there for decades and decades and decades mm. and and be so heralded by people who haven't been, maybe haven't been to Una's for 10 years because they have been living in state or whatnot. Yeah. And then they come back and it just feels joyful. I think it's a mixture of everything. I think one of the greatest things is that it, it doesn't change. The staff, the food, the people, it doesn't change. So when you're coming in, you're not seeing an unfamiliar face. You're going, I, re- I swear she was there last time and she's the one that served me last time. I can't believe she's still here and the music is the same. The art is the same. Everything is the same. And I think people like that sense of familiarity when everything is changing so quickly and everything mm. around you changes so quickly. And especially in the past couple of years where, you know, so much has happened in people's lives and everybody's lives have been really shaken up. They can go to Una's and go, oh my God, this is the exact same as it was last time. And you know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get a good meal. You're going to have a good time. And it's comfortable. And I think people really resonate with that because they can leave for 10, 15, even 20 years sometimes and come back and go, oh, it's exactly the way I left it. I love this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did you come to come to actually working in the restaurant? Because was that, was that ever a challenge, you know, being the daughter of the owner or anything like that? Like I've never worked in that dynamic myself. So how was how was that for you coming into the restaurant? It was good. When I was legally able to work, 14 and nine months, we did the math. Dad was like, all right, if you want to get pocket money, instead of doing chores around the house, you can have a Saturday job. You can do your 10 till three shift every Saturday and and work in the restaurant. And so I did it and I loved it. I loved being with the people. I loved talking to people and hearing the stories and people going, oh, I've known you since you were so-and-so years old and you used to come into the restaurant with your dad. And and I really, I really loved it. 
And I thought this is much more interesting than mowing the lawn or doing the laundry or something else or pocket money. Like I was actually out and working. I felt really like important, like part of this community that I'd heard so much and seen so much about. And then Mm. I moved away and I lived out of state for a few years and then had a few different jobs. And my dad was like, I really want to get, you know, Una's into the 21st century and do more with technology and social media and these things, but I just don't know how. And I said, all right, hospitality's calling me back. <laughs> it's the evil mistress you can't say no to. You walk away. You're like, no, 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 I don't want it anymore. I want to leave. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. I'll come back. And so I've come back and I think that's the good part. If we're going to bring Una's into the 21st century, it needs to be with somebody who's invested in it. And I'm invested in it. Like I've, mm. I've only, I did the math. I've only had three or four years of my life that Una's hasn't been in it. So for me, as much as our customers, it is part of the family and it is that nostalgia. It is that familiarity and that comfort and that home. It's got a very special place in my heart. And so if we're going to bring it and kind of update it, it has to be still keeping the authenticity of what it is. Mm. So, yeah, that's, you can't walk, I can't walk away from it. It always brings me back. <laughs> as any as any good hospitality venue should, right? Yeah, yeah. How did, um, I'm, I'm super curious how, why your dad decided to bring it into the 21st century, right? With a brand that like wanted like that took so long to put FPOS in, like, <laughs> like, like what made him want to make the decision to actually, you know, um, put some tech into the brand? I think the pandemic really shook the business, to be honest. I mean, when in the space of a couple of weeks, everything shut down, no customers were allowed in the restaurant and we've built our brand on people being in the restaurant and that feeling in the restaurant So having nobody in the restaurant really switched things up for us. And we had to rely a lot on takeaway and delivery and getting ourselves out to the community in ways that we normally wouldn't. So that really kind of shifted perspective on, okay, how are we going to, how are we going to do things in the future? We have to start thinking long-term and not just right now. And so with, with the pandemic, it forced us to really look at deliveries and how that affects the business and how um, those partners really, we need to integrate them into the business as best we can because they're not going anywhere, obviously. Like they're here to stay. So we had to figure out how we're going to do that correctly and, you know, simple things like we were still doing orders on pen and paper and running into the kitchen and things were being missed. And so we were finding that drinks and dockets would get missed and things would get pushed around and how are we going to, how are we going to update that so that we can keep sustain the business and keep it going? And so that really, that's some changes that we had to make with tech and whatnot. But it's hard when you're in it and you've been in it for so long to see what's what's the right way to go and how to best serve the mm-hmm. business. So I think it, it's been really good having me there and I've really loved having my or being there, I guess, because I can, I have the outside perspective of seeing where software and where tech is going and where hospitality is going, but also loving the restaurant so much. And so mm. really marrying the two allows us to to move forward in a way that we can keep the authenticity of the brand and also move into the 21st century. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I, 
percent um, and have some computerized orders, which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> how? Let, let's talk about that a bit because, like, you would have had to been so respectful of the restaurant. Yeah. To think about what tech that you're going to put in, right? What automation you're going to put in? Because you could you could go full tilt and put yeah. in a heap of automation and take away the energy of the venue, take away the customer service of the venue, all that kind of stuff that sometimes is missed when you put in some tech solutions, right? Yeah. Um, how did you make sure that you weren't doing that and you're doing it in a really humble way? I think the biggest thing for us was to sit down and go, okay, what parts of Una's can we not give up? What things are we are our non-negotiables? And it was definitely our staff and the relationship that the staff have with our customers and that feeling that you have walking around and talking to people. We didn't want to go with any of the QR options because we felt it just, it removed that human sense to the restaurant. And for some places it works great and it's really, really good. But for us, it just didn't feel like that was the right way to go. And so we thought, okay, what are our pinch points and where are we, where are we lacking? And let's, let's find those areas, improve on them. And then if there's some overlap into the other areas, we'll see where we can go but know where our lines are and what we do not want to give up. And that was definitely when we made the decision to kind of have tablets in the restaurant and have kind of, instead of doing things on pen and paper, having tablets going, okay, well, we can still keep the relationship with our customers. We can still talk to them, but, you know, things aren't going to be missed and things will still, will move forward, but it'll, it'll stay the same. It's just an adjustment to make sure that the restaurant works better, and the relationship with the customers works better. Did you have to think about the steps of service or anything like that in regards with the customer, the customer element, and then blending that in with the use of tablets to make sure that you still had this amazing atmosphere at Una's? Oh, a hundred percent. And it, it and it, mm. we really took a lot of time and spoke to a lot of our staff and other restaurants in the area and saw what they were doing. And go, okay, and I'm at this restaurant. This is how they're doing it. How how do I feel about this implementation? How would I feel if this was Una's and what would this relationship look like? And we really took a long time to figure out how we would do it and we figured that the best way would, would be what we've got now is tablets at the table, but we've still got as many staff as we always had. We didn't want to have this automation and then have less people on the floor and then customers miss out on on anything. We wanted it to stay the same as much as we could, but also be able to now run reports on, okay, what's our best selling drink? What's our best selling food with before it would just be on feel or kind of gut instinct of, oh, I sold a lot of this today. I sold a lot of that today. I'm ordering more of this. I'm ordering more of that where now we can actually see numbers, which is something that we'd never done before. So it's, it's little things like that, that to us, a lot of the implementation was way more about back end and how to improve the back end mm. and then bring that to the customer. Has it, has it been a challenge to look at that, those numbers? I know it's early days, like yeah. looking at those numbers that are coming through and then making sure you're still keeping that that gut instinct because yeah. the, like the gut instinct of hospitality and thinking about what sells, what doesn't, um, how the customers are interacting and all that kind of stuff is so, so critically important, yeah. especially when you bring on tech, like totally. what kind of things are you making sure to do that you can blend that appropriately? I think they just work hand in hand. It's more things we know that there are things that work well, but there's those little surprises. I didn't realize we sold that many 
veal schnitzels this week. I didn't realize this item was doing so well that you don't think, normally you think about what's the best, what's at the top tier and not necessarily those midfield items that are just sometimes accessories to the menu. They go, oh, this is actually selling way better than I thought it was. We should look at improving this or this drink is selling way better than we thought it was and improving those things. And I think the gut instinct tells you where to go and then the reports and the actual data reinforces what you're thinking or tells you that your gut is way off. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I want to talk about your staff a tiny bit more Mm -hmm. because I think you know how obviously in the industry that we're in, the last couple of years have been dramatically hard as everyone knows and the customer service angle like has been really difficult as well, right? But like if you've got a, a brand like yours which has been around for decades, people love it, and people work with Unas because they love the customer service. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you switch that off. I'd imagine it must have been really tricky for your father to to make sure he kept, you know, his front, especially the front of house team, yeah. but also the back of house team, really engaged and excited during, like excited as you can during that time. Yeah. And hopeful that Unas was going to come back strong as it has now, obviously. Yeah, it was it was super hard. And I mean, I guess it was kind of, a double-edged sword because we've got so many people that are in the restaurant and that like so many full-timers. It the, the thing with COVID is that when the borders shut, a lot of hospital staff are students or backpackers or travelers, people who rely on being able to travel and move. They do six-month stints and then they move on to the next thing, which is great. But so when when lockdown happened, a lot of those staff had to leave. So we were left with our core staff that we've had for so many years. And it was just a matter of, I guess, taking it day by day. And we we had the restaurant open. And the good thing about Darlinghurst is there's so many people that live within a small area. So people would take the excuse of leaving their house to come pick up takeaway because it was a, it's a good <laughs> feed. You can feed a lot of people. You can have leftovers. So like, I need to get out of my house. I'm going to walk down the road or I'm going to drive yeah. here. So we still had that sense of community and we would still be able to keep up with our customers and keep up with people and see what was going on because people would take any excuse to leave their houses. And- <laughs> not many other better reasons than to come and get a schnitzel (laughs) literally exactly and it was like march may ish that time when we were really stuck in lockdown in sydney so it was like freezing cold oh i love a schnitzel i just i could do with that right now i'm gonna leave my house and then we would talk to customers and see how they were going and have a chat because i think you needed any sort of human connection and we stayed open so we could do deliveries and we could do pickups and we could still be accessible to the community because I mean there was no other thing to do we weren't going to close the doors we were going to keep pushing for as long as we could we'd been open for 50 years at that point COVID was not going to be the thing that shut us down Mm, so we just kept pushing and we just were we went day by day and as soon as we could open our doors to the quarter of the amount of people that you could we did it and we would just just take it day by day and everybody, I guess, after a few months when we were out of lockdown, people were really keen to come back to work and people wanted to be out of their homes and wanted to be talking to other people. So we did and we managed and we saw the other side of it, but it really looked at, made us take stock and see, okay, 
the priorities of the restaurant may be changing and maybe moving. Mm. And I think they'll forever mm. be different since the pandemic because I think delivery is so much more important now than it ever has been. And it's so important to businesses to be able to, to have that and to use that tool because it's a very easy way of accessing so many more people that can't come mm. into the restaurant or that don't want to, or that just want to have a lazy night and get some takeaway. And that's fine. And mm. it's made us take stock of, okay, this restaurant was built 50 years ago. It was created for the the type of lifestyle that was there 50 years ago. We don't want to lose the heart and soul of Una's, but we need to take stock and look at what the future is going to look like. And that's the pandemic made that happen very, very quickly. It was always in the back mm. of our minds, but because there's nothing else going on, you have to take stock. I want to ask about that at the end. I've got a couple more questions before we before we round off today. The, f- the first one of those two is we don't talk about artwork very much in, in restaurants, right? And every piece of research people I've talked to in Sydney since we first highlighted this podcast was going to happen are like, dude, like the artwork's pretty infamous, right? Like what what is it about Una's artwork? What What is happening down there that is so different? It's a time capsule. <laughs> In a really good way. <laughs> oh, look, people may not agree, but I think it is tacky in the best way possible. I love it. There is popcorn walls. There is wood panelling. There is faux brick. There is artwork of German castles that I couldn't even tell you the name of. There are skiing pictures. There, It feels like you're in the Alps, but also not in the Alps. It's <laughs> There's artwork from like the former owners have made artwork and put it in the restaurant. There's witches hanging from the ceiling. Like <laughs> it's kitschy and tacky in the best way possible and I love it. I mm. love it so much. Like um, if you come in, we have a display fridge with all the desserts and things and on top of it are all these kitschy knickknacks and I don't remember when it started or who it started it, but we have this tradition where if you go overseas – you have to come back with something really, really kitschy, something really tacky, really kitschy, really weird. You have to bring it back and put it on display. We've got like a bowling ball from a Christmas party. We have a piece of the Berlin Wall. Like there is wow. there is so much stuff, but it's great. It feels <laughs> like you're in your Nana's living room in the best way. It, and that's, it's just, I can't explain it. It's just kitschy and brilliant. It's yeah. unique. That's it, it just sure. feels like it's right. Yeah. I take it. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like like everything I've seen, everyone I've talked to is like it's so much. It's so much <laughs> but also not enough. Yeah. <laughs> like we could go harder. We could do more. Like the, the chairs are even painted and decorated and everything kind of has this little stamp of homemadeness. Yeah. But it's great. Yeah. I love it. I think it also speaks to like the importance of decor even more in in restaurants and obviously in any kind of hospitality setting. And so the, the yeah. fact that sometimes you don't need to change things every five years in order for it to look fresh, like everything doesn't need to be 100%. tan and wood and, and generic. Like there's so much importance yeah. in making something that stands for something, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you go into restaurants and you're like, this feels like a restaurant I went to a week ago. Like this feels the same as the one down the street. Everybody has the same vibe or 
all this same inspiration. And so you tend to go to these restaurants and, and yeah, the food is great and they're all unique in their way, but they've all got the same vibe and you can take it or leave it. You can go to another restaurant that serves the same food down the street and feel like you weren't in a different restaurant. Whereas at Una's, you could any other German, Austrian, Hungarian, Swiss restaurant, but you wouldn't be at Una's and you would be feeling completely different. And that's the great thing about the aesthetic is you know where you are and you can't get it anywhere else. Even if you went to Germany, you couldn't get Mm. it. It's just its own unique brand of decor, but it's great. I love it. I wish I could add more to it. Get more witches on the ceiling. (laughs) Put that on the to-do list, I reckon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Martika, my final question to you is like, with having one of the most successful venues for over the last 50 years, right? Like there must be an appetite. I'm sure there's been an appetite to expand. And with you guys now delving into a bit more tech and, and some, you know, automation and those kind of things, like is there an appetite to do more Unas, to do more verticals of this brand so that more people can experience the awesomeness that is this brand? Totally. I mean, it's something that we've talked about on and off for years and years and years. And I think now that everything's starting to settle and the world is opening back up, it's definitely something we've talked about, but things have changed. 50 years ago, you didn't need to worry about where your delivery drivers are going to pick up your orders. You didn't need to worry about are there outlets, are there points that you can have printers here that you can have like your POS system. It's the narrative has changed and the conversation has changed And Una's in Darlinghurst will never change. It's always going to stay the the way it is because why would you want to change perfection, in my opinion? Mm. I mean, don't fix what's not broken. But if we're going to move forward and potentially expand, there's, there's different things to think about. And the food will always stay the same. The experience will hopefully always stay the same. But now the focus is on, okay, what other things are in the business now that we have to think about? And that's that's... That's the discussion. I mean, some restaurants you see they've got a separate window for delivery drivers and you're like, that's genius. They're not walking through the restaurant. Let me keep that in mind. And they've got a whole section where they can have like a takeaway pickup section so that the customers aren't affected because not everybody wants to be out in the world right now. There's still a little bit of trepidation and a bit of fear. So you keep that in mind and it's maybe there's a, Maybe there's other things we haven't even thought about that are coming in that haven't even happened or that are just such in their infancy, like ghost kitchens. Like that's something that has been touched on that you don't get the heart of Unas with the ghost kitchen, but it's something to keep in mind that these are things that are happening. This is where the industry is going and we need to make sure that we're moving at the same pace as the industry because, I mean, everything can move so quickly. Everything can happen so quickly we want to keep up. We want to stay for another 50 years, 100 years if we can even. We're not going anywhere. So if we want to stay, we have to make sure that we're keeping up with the times and we want to. Has that, has that been hard for you and your dad and your family to sort of navigate? Because, you know, this is an institution, yeah. this brand. And, you know, as, so are you doing everything like slowly and methodically to make sure it sort of happens, I would imagine, you know? Yeah, it's it's a slow process and it's one that, has a lot of discussions and one day we'll go, oh, maybe we should go in this direction and then I'll 
call him and go, actually, dad, I don't think it's right. I've been thinking about it. I think we should go in this direction. And there's a lot of care because it's been in our family for 23 years at this point. We care a lot about the restaurant and we care a lot about our customers. It's not like it's a business that we've bought recently and we want to switch things up and kind of make it crazy. We, we care a lot. And we want to make sure that everything we're doing has intention and everything we're doing has purpose. And if we are going to open another restaurant, we want it to be Una's. We don't want it to be, oh, this is just their version of this in a different location. We want it to have the same feel so that we can reach more people and more people can experience Una's. We're going to have to go to a lot of secondhand shops and get a lot of new artwork though. If we are going to do that, that's going to be the hardest challenge. (laughs) Well, I hope some people who, you know, sell some witches who can uh, come down from the ceiling and listen to the podcast and want to reach out to you, Martika, because it sounds like uh, you need some witches in a new restaurant soon. If you have any really kitschy art, like maybe your nan's got some stuff or maybe your friends have got some stuff that, you know, oh, this really reminds me of Una's. This is very European you know, let me know. We're always open. There's still some spaces on the wall that haven't been filled. <laughs> Mate, I, can, I can't wait to see whatever your second venue is going to be. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Keep a lookout. It's still a while to come though. Martika, what's the, what's the best way that people can find out more about Una's and come down to Darlinghurst in Sydney and check you guys out? Yeah, we are on Facebook, Una's Restaurant on Facebook, and we have a website, unasrestaurant.com.au. Um, we are looking at expanding to other social medias, but we like to take things slow at Una's. We're not in a rush, but we'll get there. And come down and see us. We're open every day. We'd love to have you. As always, linked up in the show notes of this podcast, Mateka, thank you for you and your family continuing an institution in Sydney and being such a positive voice for the industry. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This has been great. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Raw, brought to you by Lightspeed and the Poe Network. We hope you really enjoyed the episode and we'd love for you to leave us a review and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. It would mean a lot to us and we'd love to hear your feedback on this series. To find out more about Lightspeed and how they can ignite your business in hospitality, you can find them at lightspeedhq.com.au. Thanks so much for tuning to another episode and until next time, stay well, everyone.